We all have it. We all need it. And it's one of our very most important features and assets. But we give it away for free over and over and over again. What is it? Coming up next on the Grow With Tim podcast. Welcome back to Grow With Tim, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jay Du. I'm Tim Joyner. And we're talking about our attention and what steals our attention. Interruptions, Tim. Yeah. Interruptions. Yeah, interruptions. Interruptions, Tim. You see how I did that? Okay. No, I'll let you go. I'm going to sit still and make sure on this podcast I don't interrupt because I think that's a little bit of my... I'll believe that when I see it. Okay. I'll believe that yeah. when I see it. Now, interruptions, I think, are this, this hidden threat that we all have just come to accept. And we give our attention away, as you said in the intro, all day long as if it were worthless. Like we give it away for free all day long. Uh, marketers interrupt us with push notifications on our phone and we get emails and we get text messages and people tap us on the shoulder at work and they pick up the phone and call us and they slack us and they expect us to respond instantly. And and we act as if that doesn't have a cost. Mm. But I think it has a tremendous cost and we're here to talk about it today and say how can we actually right the ship. So the issue is that we are giving it away so often, so maybe we don't understand that cost. Yeah. What is the interruption actually doing to our productivity, our um, ability to think deeply and work for a long period of time, get in the flow, focus, or even make money, of course. Most of our listeners and us, we're in business, but we're being interrupted all the time. Yeah, I think the costs are subtle but profound. So, for example, I think uh, University of Michigan did a study a few years back, and they had 300 people perform a sequence-based procedure. So okay. you had to do click these numbers in order on a computer, something like that. And then they introduced a three-second interruption. And the error rate doubled. Okay. So you made twice as many mistakes with a three-second interruption. And that's a silly little simple task like can you count from 1 to 10? Right, right? It's sure. really easy. Sure. So when we're doing complex knowledge work, whether it's computer programming or spreadsheet analysis or just trying to make a good decision, and we get interrupted, even though it's really brief, it comes at a tremendous cost. It makes us make more mistakes. Um, it also – just drags out the process. So a different study, I think uh, this was University of California, said that on average, every interruption cost us 23 minutes to get back to where we were. 23. 23. That sounds inc- it sounds unbelievable, right? right? It right. sounds way too high. Yeah. But I've seen multiple studies, and not all of them come at exactly 23 minutes. Some say it's 16, and some say it's 37. But the point is, everybody that's ever studied this says, yeah, you think it's just a five-minute conversation. It actually cost you half an hour because by the time you remember what you were doing and you get back into flow, the difference between performing this task from start to finish without interruptions and doing it with a five-minute interruption is actually 30 minutes or more. So many of us out there, listeners as well as what we do, I think would qualify in this knowledge-based work environment. Right. So you mentioned that, knowledge-based work and how interruptions mess with that. So. Spend just a second. What would you say, knowledge-based work, and what does that mean? And and what is maybe an example of not knowledge-based work where, yeah. hey, maybe an interruption is not a big deal? Right. I, I think interruptions are costly no matter what. Okay. But it's one thing if you're, say, painting a house. Okay. Right? Yeah. I'm painting the wall, and I've painted half of it, and somebody interrupts me. When I come back, I can pick up right where I left off. That's probably not going to cost me 30 minutes to get back into it. Yeah. Right? Same thing if I'm working an assembly line or I'm mowing the yard or whatever. 
But if I'm using my brain and I've got to concentrate on something, even if it doesn't seem like concentration, I'm just answering an email. The the fact that we're using our brains to do knowledge type work, um, attention is really, really valuable and not having it or having it interrupted is really, really costly. Now, in the past, we have had a conversation on the podcast, I believe, around Cal Newport's idea yeah. of deep work. Deep work. Yeah. deep work. And I wrote down that definition so I can quote him well. And deep work is a state of distraction-free concentration when your brain can work at its maximum potential. And he gives uh, lists about it's hard to replicate and duplicate and things like that. He gives the idea of maybe three to four hours is about what a human can do in one session of uninterrupted deep work. But uh, is that what we're going for? And is that what we're interrupting when we talk about interruptions? I think that's the gold standard. Yeah. Like having okay. three hours of uninterrupted work when you reach flow you can do a week's worth of work uh. in flow state in three or four hours. So like, that's that's a little bit of my question as I interrupt you is what is a week's worth of work really look like if we're working yeah. for three hours? Because a week is 168 hours. Yeah. So are we really getting You're a week done or maybe, we are yeah. 168? Well, well, yeah. No, no, that's a week. I'm thinking of like a work week of 40, Yeah, of course, hours. of course, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is it that we are, is it really that what you're saying is we're missing out on being in a in a state of non-deep work? So cursory or yeah. uh, work that is kind of surface? Um, I, I think our productivity is like just a small fraction of what our true capacity is for most of us most of the time. We take far longer to accomplish something than mm. we need to because we're constantly distracted. There are other reasons too. But if we could actually consistently and reliably get into flow and get into this deep work that Cal Newport talks about, I think our productivity and our creativity would just explode. Right. Our our stress would go down. I think our level of happiness would go down, our, go, go up. Our right. wealth would go up. Like uh, great things happen when you can actually focus. But the world that we live in isn't designed that way. Like it's designed. I mean, you you hear about the human attention span and being eight seconds or whatever. Right. Like we can't sustain thought on one thing for very long. Part of that is our own fault because we're, we're, we get bored easily and we distract ourselves. But part of that is that our phones are buzzing every 10 minutes with a new notification that Papa John's has a sale on pizza or some sports figure that you don't even care about just broke some record. Like, that's interesting. But I don't need to disrupt the high-value creative work that I'm doing to find out that some golfer just had an amazing round. Like, it can wait. Um, right. And those distractions are really, really costly. Okay, so we thought of a video that many of us have seen over the course of the last few years. You mentioned one or two years ago, and you were telling me about it when we were prepping for this show. I looked it up. I watched it again because I had seen it, but it was five years ago. Okay. So first off, times fly. Yeah, I mean, COVID, yeah. we lost a couple years in there. So um, this, uh, hopefully, maybe we can even cut to it. I don't know if we can. Um, so at least you can hear it uh, or see it, depending on how you're viewing the podcast. But... Uh, this man was in his home office, and he was being interviewed, and I believe it was a BBC publication here. And he was talking about, which none of us remember, but we, if, if we've seen it, we will remember what yeah. happened. But it was something with uh, North Korea and South Korea or something yeah. like that. But his kids end up barging nobody, into the Nobody room. remembers what the interview was about. Exactly. Like, I had to watch it. I was like, I have no idea, but I knew exactly what you were referencing. Yeah. And this man is in his home office and uh, he looks very studious. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a professor, I believe. Yeah, he's got a book. He's got the map on the yeah, the bookshelf yeah, and the yeah. map and all this stuff. And he's being interviewed by the BBC, I believe. And then 
boom, a toddler walks in. Yeah. Right? And not just walks in, like dances in. Dances in, right, right. Right. Saunters into the uh, <laughs> home office there. And he, he, a big hand goes up trying to like maybe push what looks like his daughter back a little bit. And he tries to keep his focus and attention on his interviewer. But uh, all of a sudden, all of us are like, oh, no. Because we've yeah. been in that situation. And then his poor wife scrambles in because the baby comes in with like the um i don't know what you call it but uh yeah the walker thing and 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 the and the the wife flies it slides (laughs) it on socks right it looks like that type of situation we're thinking we've all been there to some extent but but notice what happened to him so let's just assume that ina in post i'm sure she she can fit this in and even if it's just audio maybe you can hear it yeah um you can imagine this what's going on in the background so let's go ahead and tee that up now then we'll come back scandals happen all the time the question is how do democracies respond to those scandals uh, and what will it mean for uh, for the wider region i think one of your children's just walked in i mean shift it, shifting shifting sands in the region do you think relations with the north may change um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. What well, is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six all right, so what do you notice about that, Jeremiah? You notice that he's completely lost his train of thought. Like, he's so distracted, and the interview is over at this yes. point. Yes, he's saying, he said, um, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, like a couple <laughs> different times, right? And he's trying not to, and he, the fun, the, I think the funniest thing about it is not just what's going on in the background, because we can see it, because we're looking at it, and it's funny, of course, and uh, you feel for this man. But second is, he doesn't want to, he's trying not he to break his focus. Yes, yeah. he doesn't want to, like, turn around, and, you know, but uh, meanwhile, the rest of us are gone. <laughs> we're like, you know, we're with his family and with his wife, and we're sending our condolences to his interviewer. Right. At this it's point. so relatable. Like, yeah. we've all had experiences yeah. like that. Maybe not on, you know, worldwide television right. or national television or yeah. whatever. But but the point of that story is that that his attention was gone, and he could not, he was not able to be valuable to anybody at right. that moment. Right? Sure, of course. And so how often does that happen to us where, whether it's a phone call or it's even even just a piece of bad news, but most of the time, it's just a totally worthless interruption or yeah, distraction. I would say so. That, okay, so some statistics about this. We did a little research before the show, and you know, there are all kinds of studies that say different things, but the studies that we, we looked at, several of them talking about daily phone pickups. Yes. Um, somewhere around 350 times a day, is the average number of phone pickups, right? You just picked up your phone. I picked up my phone to look at that stat, <laughs> to look right? At that stat. To, to remind yeah, myself. But there were probably 15 yes. notifications on there in the meantime. Well, I didn't. Yeah. Fortunately, my app was open and I only saw, yeah. So, so, so th- 350. 350. Which I'm not sure that I'm, day. I'm not sure that, you know, in the work that you and I might do, it might be more than that. Yeah. I mean, there's that's an, an average, average number. So like, I might be well more, more than that yeah. for all I know. And we're doing work, yeah. quote unquote, on our phones or yeah. with our phones as well. So we're picking it more often and we're yeah. seeing these notifications come in, right? But the number of notifications on average, again, you'll get a range yep. of statistics, but somewhere between 60 and 80 notifications per day all right. is the average. So if you work out you know, a 16-hour day that you're awake, give or take, um, that's roughly one every 10 minutes you're getting an interruption. And remember what this study said earlier, it takes you 23 minutes to get back into 
an actual productive so state. So that means we've never done You've anything. Never done <laughs> we've never gotten back to it. You're, Ever you're since always... I got this phone 12 years ago or whatever it is, I've never, at that point, it's been, it's over. Yeah. yeah. You're always working at a small percentage of your true capacity. I think so, that's the takeaway. So here's my question that I have for you. When you think about something like this, are you strategically getting into a state of non-interruption? Yes. Okay, absolutely. you are. Absolutely. Okay, so when you're not, when you fail at that or you're yeah. uh, days where it's an off day or you're like, well, I didn't have any deep focus concentration I needed to do yeah. today, per, per, perhaps, uh, are you realizing that, wow, I'm missing out on yeah. getting real work done today. Do you notice? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. There are certain days like that where I just feel like I didn't accomplish anything. Uh, okay. And in reality, I probably did get a few things done, but but the contrast between that and a day where I've actually experienced flow and deep work, I, I'm telling you, I can I can get a lot of work done in a short amount of time when I've got the gift of focus and attention. So what do you think the productivity has done for you? When, you're, when you've made it through maybe a week's time or two weeks' time. So I don't know what that good chunk determiner might be. But, you know, I've really been consistent. I've turned the phone off, got the notifications down. I've put myself in a position where I'm not interrupted by mm-hmm. being isolated or something like that. What does that do to the next week or month or quarter for you, do you feel? It, um, it's, it would be hard to enumerate all the benefits. Right, right. Like, I think... Number one, I just get more stuff done, which means I'm spending less time on it. Oh, right. Okay. So I'm. I used so to. So even though you're spending more time getting the right things done, you don't have to spend as much time working well, or thinking about it. It's the difference between quality and quantity, right? I can spend. Let's say that I'm trying to write a blog post, or I'm trying to uh, map out one of these shows, or I'm trying to write a speech, or I'm trying to solve a particularly vexing negotiation problem, or what, whatever it may be. All of those are creative endeavors, right? And you know, you all of us have experienced this where it, a show like this, you might have a genius idea and everything comes together and you script it out and you've got your three points in a poem and it's just like in 10 minutes you're ready to go with an hour long, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but you know, in a really short amount of time you've got an hour long podcast and it's ready to go and it's beautiful. Or you can stare at a blank computer screen for three hours trying to figure out and, and then you're like, well, no, that's not going to work. And then, well, how am I going to transition from that? That just doesn't flow. Oh, I'm going to scrap this whole thing and start over, right? The outcome was the same. We had an hour-long podcast, 30 minutes or whatever it was. But in one case, I was able to do it in 30 minutes. And in one case, I was able to do it in three hours. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Part of it <clears throat> is whether or not you were actually, I mean, did you have good sleep? And did you have good nutrition? All of that kind of stuff. But was I able to actually focus and get into deep flow or deep work and flow? And when you do, you can just get stuff done a lot faster and better. Of course. Now, I have been uh, in in some of our previous conversations on our podcast recently in the early 2023, we've talked about my one-man show. Yeah. And to get to the place where you can be on stage and you're presenting and performing, you kind of had had to have gone into deep deep work and flow and focus to memorize things, right? So So how did you do that? Do you like leave your phone? You're outside? exactly right. I, I wasn't thinking about this actually when we did the sh- put the show together, but uh, one of the things which I think we're going to get into, like how do we eliminate some of our interruptions, distractions, um, and how do we make sure that we are able to concentrate? One of the main things that I do is I actually go to a certain spot to do it. So there, my body and my mind remember that what I do here is focus. And that, for me, actually has happened to be the library. Mm -hmm. 
So instead of coming to the office or even staying at home, I've gone to the library in our town, the main one downtown. And uh, there's a couple of places that I know. If I go back here in the reference section yeah. and hide, yeah. I can actually memorize, mumble out loud, and even stand up and pace necessarily if, if that's necessary yep. for me. Yep. And I'm memorizing something, so I get a sentence or two down, and then pace back and forth and make sure I have it. Uh, there's a there's a hidden trick inside the memorization world. Uh, that I've learned for myself, and probably other people have done it too, is you memorize it in one stationary spot when all the surroundings smell and feel and look like this, you're not sure that if you can actually pull it off in a different zone. So you move around a little bit. So I do that. Um, There's also some uh, specific study rooms that I've gone to, and I just make sure when I'm doing a lot of stuff or I mumble out loud, there's just a different place. I I do that too. And in fact, that's one of the one of the notes that I jotted down is when you're trying to do deep work, relocate if you can. Okay. Now, for some of us, that's not possible. But there, are, I do the same thing. It's interesting. I did, I've never heard you say that before. But there's a particular uh, hotel in downtown Greenville that has this huge lobby, and there's a coffee shop attached, and there's plenty of seating. And so I'll go and get a coffee in that coffee shop, um, not because the caffeine isn't the point. It's a ritual. It's, it's telling my brain, okay, you're, it's time to do deep work, focus work. This is where I go to do strategic planning and map out, you know, the next five years of my life. And probably three or four times a year, I'll go down there and do, and that's where I do my strategic planning. And it's like a pro and I shut off my phone and I shut off my laptop. I take a legal pad and I think, and uh, we've talked about that before, but there's a definitely a a geographic location associated with that. Another place I do that on is airplanes. Yep. I love thinking on airplanes. Okay. Um, Anyway, it's interesting. All right. So, so let's, let's get practical. You talked about relocating, going yep. to a particular spot. That's good. What else can we do to protect this this resource called attention that's so valuable, but we treat it like it's trash? You mentioned it, and I'll take it a step further because of an example I've heard from a very productive writer. And one is turn off the phone, yeah. right? We've got all these notifications. We've got bells and whistles. We've got things that pop up. And we've got things that look like emergencies, which for in, it's interesting to me that, that a phone call looks like an emergency. Yeah, it does. In the world we live in. And your body responds yes, if it's an emergency. Yes, it does, doesn't it? And uh, that doesn't mean that there's necessarily anything crucial going on. It's just that's what happens, even if it says potential spam, yeah, you know. Right. Um, but one hack that I learned from an author that I've also mentioned, I believe, in a previous podcast. He lives in North Carolina. And he's done some great work in children's books and uh, teen fiction literature is he locks himself out of programs on his computer. So I think I've got one or two of the access, uh, access to one or two of the programs that he uses as well as a software that locks him yep. out of the Internet. Yep. So he's typing on his machine where you're going to, of course, be connected to the world. Yep. Emails and notifications yep. and pop ups will come from your machine. So he actually locks himself out. Yep can't get into it, you know, without turning his computer yeah. off or whatever yeah. he has to do. It just There's won't. A barrier entry yeah, of some he, kind, yeah. Yeah. Some sort of barrier of entry. And so he's able to write for long stretches of time where he can just think about his characterization. Yeah. I think that you talk about shutting it off for a period of time, like shut off your phone or lock down your computer or whatever. I think that's great. But I think uh, an off overlooked uh, strategy for this, don't just turn off your phone for an hour. Okay. Turn off those notifications for life. So Tim Ferriss has a four-hour work. Of course, week, right? yes. So Tim Ferriss has a, a blog post that is this extensive list of how to optimize your phone. Um, and one of the big features that he talks about is you got to go through real 
repeatedly because notifications have a way of creeping back and go into your settings and look at the notification section and just say, do I really need that notification? Now, here's what happens. And, and I've done this many, many times. I've got all, if you look at, I probably have 300 apps. I don't know. Sure. And all of them want to notify me. Boy, do they. I have like three or four that are actually turned on. Almost all of them are turned off. And, and as a result, I get very few buzzes on my phone. Um, and basically the, the, the challenge with this approach is that you feel like, well, but what am I going to miss out on, right? If I shut off the weather channel, maybe I'm going to miss a, a hurricane warning or a tornado warning or whatever. Uh, if I shut off this Papa John's app, maybe I'm going to miss a sale. And actually, I really want people. Okay, fine. Let, let's, let's go there. Let's say that you miss a sale on Papa John's and you spend $2.50 more than you ought to. But in exchange, you've gotten the gift of focus and attention all month long. And what is that worth? Oh, my word. It's worth a lot more than the $2 you're going to save on pizza, right? <clears throat> and or, this is coming from the guy who had to go pick up his pizzas, <laughs> if you remember back to those podcasts, because he yeah, didn't right. realize delivery was available. <laughs> That's yeah. right. So I, I'm, a, I'm a frugal person to be sure, and I like a deal, but I finally decided, you know what? My attention is worth more than any deal that I'm going to get from this. And so the fact that tacos are on sale, I just... I don't care. Yeah. And if I really am craving tacos, then I can go look at the app and see if there's a sale. But I, I'm not going to – same thing with sports notifications, same thing with weather stuff. Look, if there's a hurricane coming, you know, people survived on this planet for millennia without apps that were warning them. There are other people in my office that are going to say, hey, did you hear about the hurricane? The sky is going to get – I can go look at the weather app if I need to, but I'm probably not going to die from a hurricane just because I didn't have my notifications turned on. Yeah, it's a good point. Right. I think sometimes the cost uh, – everyone wants to <clears throat> look at the price, yeah. and very few people look at the cost. That's right. Yeah. So that price might be 250 off, you know, get a little stuffed crust in there, some extra, you know, beans and rice on top of yeah. your pizza. But the cost is much – whatever you're into. Whatever you're into. <laughs> Um, but uh, we're trying to be inclusive here after the last <laughs> month of recordings, Tim. But uh, yeah, that that uh, the cost is so much heavier yeah. than the than the price. And most of uh, the knowledge based workers that we talk to, that we come in contact with, and the stuff we do, nothing that I do in the office that I should be focusing on is is worth just two dollars and fifty cents. Exactly, it's worth exactly. yeah, it's worth two hundred and fifty bucks minimum yeah, if right. I can stay focused for a half hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think the the first strategy here to be very practical is just go through your settings and ruthlessly shut off notifications on almost everything. So for me, there's a few things. I, I let text messages come through, but yep. I never subscribe to text marketing things, right? Okay. I, I don't get, maybe there's an exception that I can't think of right off the top of my head, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't get any texts that are marketing related. Um, I leave that for people that, and that, that truly need to get a hold of me. Yes. But even then, if I'm going to go into deep work, I go into a focus mode on my phone that only there are only a few people in my favorites that you know my wife can text me my assistant can text me a few people that can get through but most people are right. not going to actually notify me yes and that has been a game changer for me mm. because i've got so much more attention to give to the most valuable thing at hand how long do just you think you practice that way i think tim ferris got me onto this probably three or four years ago and the first time i went through my phone and just ruthlessly did that i bet it was four years ago and then i've done it so every six months or so, you have to kind of review. I just did it again a few weeks ago, and sure enough, you know there were 15 new apps that had been pestering me, and I just shut them all off. There are very few things that yeah. actually get through at this point. Love it. So what else? So number one, shut off your your uh, phone. I think another thing is just to to train the people that you work with 
that both for their benefit and for yours, responsiveness is not necessarily the highest value. Sometimes people pride themselves on like, I answer every email within five minutes. I answer every Slack within 30 seconds. I answer on the first ring every time somebody calls me. Now, you might be in a business where you have to do that. There are certain businesses, I'll confess, that that really value responsiveness. At the same time, certain businesses or tasks, your responsiveness to a problem or a situation might be deep work for you. That's sure. what your job is, sure. is to be there very quickly to solve the problem. Sure. Yeah. If you're a fireman, right, literally or figuratively, yes. you've got to have your phone turned on. Correct. Right? Your you job is to respond to the notifications. Yeah. Yes. But for most of us, we try to mix them. We try to say, hey, I'm always available to fight fires at the drop of a hat, um, but I'm also supposed to be in charge of strategy and creativity and I'm doing this financial analysis and I'm solving problems and all these things that require deep work and you can't mix the two. It just doesn't work. Um, I mean, you can try, but it's the, the quality is going to go down. The length of time it takes is going to go up. Your stress is going to go up. It's just a, a miserable thing. But most of us don't actually need to respond to every Slack within 30 seconds or every email or every phone call. And so I try to teach the people that I work with, again, with a few exceptions, there are some who are firefighters by training, right? Or not by training, but by role, and they need to be available. But for most of my people, I say, look, I don't, it's not a point of honor if you respond to my Slack in 15 seconds. What that tells me is you're allowing everybody to steal your attention, and you're probably not very productive for this company. Mm. So I actually encourage, we we have a thing called office hours where twice a day uh, at 11 o'clock and 4 o'clock, everybody is supposed to kind of come up for air, and check their Slack, check their email, check their voicemail, and be responsive. And they're allowed to anytime. If they get to a natural breaking point, of course, they're allowed to come up anytime and do that. But I, when I Slack somebody, I don't expect an answer until either 11 o'clock or 4 o'clock, depending on what time of day it is when I Slack yeah, them. Okay. And Because I want them to protect that attention. Yes. So for you, you, you may be the boss. Uh, a lot of people listening to this probably are leaders in that way. Um, it, you may not have ultimate control over that, but there are probably ways that you can say, you know what? Nobody is measuring how fast I respond to email. I can shut off email. I certainly don't need it to pop up on my phone every time. I, I can shut off email notifications, shut off the whole application, and only check it two or three times a day. And, and that's probably a win, just that. Right. Love so to hear it. Figure out how you can prioritize your attention, even if it means you're not uber responsive. Mm-hmm. For most of us, that's a good trade. We already talked about relocating. We yep. talked about time blocking. So if you actually know you've got to work on a thorny problem or write a book or whatever it is that you're doing that requires deep work, maybe actually block your calendar. And for three hours, you're not going to have any meetings. You're not going to be available to anybody. And that time blocking and batching can be really valuable too. I think that's very important is to actually, we've all heard that analogy where I think it comes from original storytelling was in a college course, the professor took the big jar and you have to drop rocks and dirt and sand and yeah, water or beer or into yeah. it, marbles, yeah. all those mm-hmm. things. But we've got to realize in that time blocking situation, if that is the most important stuff for you to do, get into your knowledge base focus and your flow, then you've got to plan those out first. Yeah, put in the big rocks first. Yeah. Right? The most important things first. I agree with that. One more strategy we'll talk about, and then we can wrap up pretty quick. I, I think some interruptions are just inevitable. You can't prevent every interruption. So the question is, how do I rebound quickly mm. when I have experienced an interruption? Okay. So I got a couple of ideas on this. One is when the phone rings and you look at it and you say, I've got to answer this. Or somebody taps you on the shoulder and it's your boss or it's somebody that you can't just say, hey, give me a minute, I'll, I'll come find you. 
then take just a second to jot down where you were. Like if you're in the middle of solving, a, if you're a programmer, write down, I'm on line 1,314 and I'm about to write this function. Or if, you, if you've been solving a problem or working through a spread, just jot down where you are so that when you come back from this interruption, you can jump right back in and remember where you're at. Love it. I, I think that's a, a very simple thing that can be really valuable. And sometimes it means recording a quick voice memo or sometimes it's a, a post-it note or uh, you're sending yourself a, an email or whatever works for you. But I think the second strategy for rebounding is to have almost like a symbolic shift back to deep work. Oh, right. What do you mean so, by that? Symbolic all right. So I'm shift. working on my computer. I'm working on a legal pad. I'm filling out whatever I'm doing that I'm thinking. And you come and interrupt me. And I can't ignore that interruption. I've got to deal with it. Now, when I come back, I need to like close the tab on what we were. Maybe you uh -huh. and I were literally looking at a tab on a okay, browser. I'm going right. to close that tab. Yep. Maybe you said, hey, can you email so-and-so? I'm going to close. I'm going to send that email, archive it, close it, get it off my conscience. Um, maybe I'm going to physically relocate. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to go get a drink at the drinking fountain. I'm going to come back and I'm say, okay, now I'm back to work. Gotcha. And it's almost like a ritual, but it's, it's signaling to your brain, all right, that's over and done. I'm not going to keep thinking about that. I'm going to immediately and intentionally shift back into productivity mode, creativity mode, whatever it is that you're doing. And I think those two things, two sub points and one, right? Prevent it if you can, but then under rebound, if I can leave myself uh, Hansel and Gretel, I can leave breadcrumbs. I can get back to where yeah, I was coming from right. or where I was working. Um, and if I can like consciously make a shift, I think that helps me take that 23 minute shift, you know, the 23 yeah, minutes right. and cut it down by, yeah. you know, two thirds. Love to hear it. So as we kind of wrap up, we've given some application. My question for you is, what type of cultural environment might this create with not just the thought leader or the person who's on top, but the community around them? You mentioned that, hey, you, we've instituted these rituals yeah. um, and these expectations or lack thereof on around certain things with our team. How do you think that's going to solve productivity and solve interruptions for our listener? I would say the impact is profound. Mm. Like the the whole, as I've done this in multiple companies, the the whole culture does change. It's a lot less frantic or frenetic. We've talked before about the Eisenhower matrix, right? The difference between urgent and important work and how you really want to live in quadrant two, the important but not urgent work, which is a little bit counterintuitive at first. You want to spend the time doing the not urgent things because urgent things by definition are high stress. They're crises. And if I can spend time in the important but not urgent things, I can actually prevent the crises, right? Well, when, when you do this kind of deep work, you have the time to do those important but non you, – right. you're not constantly reacting. You're happening to the world instead of the world happening to you. It's, it's a lot less um, frenetic. I think it's a lower stress workplace. It's definitely more productive. I mean the mm -hmm. whole company is right. accomplishing – I'm thinking of one company in particular where in the last couple of years, the last two years – we have doubled our sales and our our headcount has gone up by i don't know uh, roughly 10% but we've doubled revenue more than doubled profitability and we're we're less stressed like we're con we're just more productive as a group and making fewer mistakes and less rework and that kind of thing so it, there it. there are benefits to be sure so if the stress level doesn't quite grab you and grab your attention right now, just think about all the more money you'll be making, ladies and gentlemen. 
Well, we appreciate you being with us again for a great conversation surrounding your attention and those pesky interruptions that are stealing you away from your stress-free growth projections as well as your profitability. Join us again very soon with Grow With Tim. Thanks for listening to today's Grow With Tim podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to show us some love by following us here and on our other social media platforms. You'll find all the links at growwithtim.com.